Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Natural English with Nick, a podcast for learning English quickly and effectively by exposing yourself to naturally spoken language that is both interesting and relatively simple to understand. Today, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to be doing an interview with my good friend and roommate, Alex Chemla. As always, if you'd like a free PDF transcription of the questions that I'm going to ask uh, Mr. Chemla today, um, feel free to send me an email at the email you'll find in the description of today's episode on whatever platform you're listening to me from. Without further ado, let's get started. So today's interview is going to consist of three parts. We're going to talk a little bit about the importance of being physically active during COVID, university life so far for Alex, Alex's cultural background and heritage and how it ties into his identity as a French-Italian-Canadian, because I thought it would be interesting to tie in a little bit of culture into this podcast, since it is a podcast for learning languages, and language, in any case, reflects identity. Hi, Alex, and welcome to today's podcast. Thanks for consenting to this interview. Thanks, Nick, for having me on. It's a great opportunity. I'm excited for it. All right, so let's get into it. First, we'll start off with some intro questions. So tell us all, where are you from? So um, I'm originally from Toronto. I lived there uh, my whole life. And in terms of my background, uh, my mother's side is from Italy, uh, more specifically from Calabria, so the south of Italy. And then my father is from France. If you haven't already heard the episode on Toronto and the GTA, I think it's specifically called What is Life Like in Toronto? I recommend you go listen to that episode because I talk a little bit about the geography of Toronto, because there are a lot of subsidies in the GTA, as we call it, so the greater Toronto area. So tell us, Alex, what part of the GTA are you from? So I'm from Etobicoke, so it's um, one of the outside regions from Toronto. So it's not right in downtown, it's in the West End region of the city. But it's pretty close to downtown Toronto, right? Yeah, it is relatively close. I would say probably eight or nine subway stations from downtown so or you could drive there in about like 10-15 minutes that sounds like a prime location if you're looking to come to canada maybe you should go check out etobicoke so alex tell us why did you decide to come to ottawa there are so many great universities in toronto and the gta and um, even hamilton there are different you know universities in a lot of cities that are a lot closer to toronto than ottawa so why ottawa in particular well you know one one of the main advice is that my parents gave me was that it's always important what city you're studying in and I just felt that since I knew Ottawa a little bit because my grandfather lived there and went to go visit him I always liked Ottawa because it was a nice mix between a small city and a big city it was a nice middle I always enjoyed that and also in terms of the university I really love the bilingual aspect of it I love that for you know any project you can write in English or in French and I just felt that if I want to maintain my bilingual identity, then University of Ottawa is the perfect place for that. Yeah, I definitely agree that it's a big lifestyle change. If you're coming from Toronto, I imagine that Ottawa seems like a little town. It's pretty peaceful and a nice place to uh, live and relax. And while it's true that Toronto does offer you know, lots of multiculturalism, I feel like Ottawa definitely has a unique bilingual vibe. So if there's one thing that Ottawa can offer you that Toronto can't, what would it be? Right, so that's a really good question. One thing that, in my opinion, Ottawa offers that Toronto doesn't is um, just that peacefulness. I think you touched on it. And just the fact that there's na nature right downtown, a lot of parks. And I feel that in Toronto, there's not that at all, especially downtown. Where I'm from, like in Etobicoke, there is. 
but not downtown. I feel like that's a big difference. And also, I feel like there's a lot more stuff to do during the winter, including the canal. And that's a big reason as well. Yeah, exactly, guys. If you don't already know and you're planning on coming to Ottawa, I definitely recommend coming during the winter time because there's a lot more to do. Surprisingly, you would think in the summertime, you know, it'd be more fun. There's like lots of places to check out. And while that's true, I recommend for Ottawa in particular, you got to come and experience the winter vibe because like Alex said, you can go check out the canal. You can go get beaver tails right by the canal as well. If you don't know what a beaver tail is, maybe I'll make an episode on it particularly because it deserves it. It's basically uh, a dessert, if you want to call it that. Um, it's like fried dough and then it has like toppings on top. It's really a Canadian delicacy. It's better than, you know, any other uh, fancy culinary uh, things you'll find abroad, I promise you. But also in Ottawa, the cool thing is that you can just walk around in the winter time, and it's a really unique city in that sense. Like Alex said, there's really a park at every corner. And like I've mentioned in a previous podcast, it doesn't really seem like a capital city. So if you want a little getaway, I recommend coming to Ottawa, checking out Byward Market, going up to Parliament, and walking around that area will definitely take you a few days to explore at least. So now the transition here. Let's talk a little bit about studies since we are here to study and not just have fun and walk around Ottawa, unfortunately. So Alex, tell us, what do you study and what made you choose it? All right, so my program is environmental studies. So it tries to tackle environmental challenges through a more social science aspect or sphere compared to the other very similar program, Environmental Sciences, which is more based on natural sciences and addressing it from that standpoint. And um, what made me choose it? Well, first of all, it's bilingual. It's one of the, it's a bilingual program. Also, there's a co-op option, which I find is very important. And also, I feel like climate change and the recent environmental challenges that we're facing is an immediate danger to our society and our civilization and I feel that we need to address them and do something about them and I feel that that's my role as someone on this planet. Yeah it's definitely an important issue facing us today and I think that maybe something we could dedicate in a future podcast as well. I'd like to get more people that are taking environmental studies because actually my girlfriend's taking environmental studies as well and uh, she's taking it for a lot of the same reasons that Alex just said. It's obviously something that's affecting us all. I must say that Ottawa definitely is a really great city if you're looking for uh, co-ops abroad. If you decide to come to Canada, you should definitely check out Ottawa because you might get lucky and get a government job like the majority of uh, Ottawa youth students are trying to do. And especially if you're involved in environmental issues, I would consider Ottawa to be a pretty progressive city in terms of environmental regulations. But hey, we got a long way to go. The cool thing about the university experience is being able to talk with people with different backgrounds and different interests. For me, I've always been interested in climate change and the environment and stuff like that. But it never really occurred to me to study it. And I think that that is something that more people should do. Because um, if you guys don't know, I'm taking world languages and cultures, but I'm currently switching my program to international studies and modern languages. Uh, something that's not really at all related with that, but it's nice to be able to stay with roommates that uh, have different majors from me and different experiences and different interests. So this is probably a vast topic, but if one happens to come to mind, is there any uh, specific environmental issue off the top of your head? Uh, that you think needs to be resolved ASAP? So one environmental issue that often gets overlooked that I think is really important that we have to address is the misinformation about it, um, more specifically about climate change. So as of 2021, 98.1% of scientists 
believe that climate change is happening. Yet there's still a lot of doubt about whether it's occurring or not. And I feel like that's halted a lot of opportunities to address it and take affirmative action about it. And I feel like this this point often gets overlooked because at the end of the day, it is the politicians, it is the public that is going to is going to help us fight this this challenge. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. I think that it's underrepresented in the media and it leads me to question how many conferences do we have to have before there's actual change before there's a cohesive decision to come together and make real change about this. And most of all to put to put the environment's needs before your own because as humans I feel like we're all somewhat uh, personally driven. We have our own interests that we're trying to protect, but at some point we have to realize the fact that our actions have consequences and that that could leave us in a very dangerous situation. So Alex, we know you're big on the environment and uh, you're into trying to halt climate change and things like that and social issues and uh, even politics kind of ties in with all that. Uh, But if you hadn't chose to take environmental studies, is there another program that you'd be interested in taking? So I think if I had to pick another program. I'm really interested in nutrition and the human body, so kinesiology. Um, I've always been pretty active in my life and past two years I've been working out, so I'm really interested in the human body and how it works and how to become stronger. So I would say that would be kinesiology and nutrition. Yeah, it seems like whenever we have our philosophical uh, discussions in the morning, uh, between roommates, it seems like a lot of the time it revolves around working out and nutrition because personally, I'm one of those people that knows very little about the topic. So it's always interesting to talk about uh, that kind of thing with someone who knows what they're talking about because when you talk to Alice about nutrition, he's uh, he's going to inform you and he's going to let you know what's the best thing to do. Um, and I generally accept his advice because it's worked for me in terms of working out. Like I was doing the technique's completely wrong for working out and uh, it was nice to get some feedback. So one more general question before we move on to the physical activity during COVID aspect of today's podcast and that's simply, uh, do you think there are some advantages and disadvantages of moving out um, of your hometown to study? So um, obviously you moved out of Toronto, I moved out of London. Um, maybe we'll talk about some advantages and disadvantages of moving out of your home city so yeah there's definitely some advantages and disadvantages that i've already been able to pick out and throughout one semester away from home i would say definitely good advantages it's allowed me to be more independent i felt that i was really reliant on my parents but another disadvantage that you're not obviously you're not at home you don't have that immediate support if you need it and my parents were always there for me so um, not having that immediate support is definitely tough. So yeah, I would say those are the main the main advantage and the main disadvantage. Yeah, I think for me too, I definitely had a lot of family support and that helped when making the decision because it wasn't really an issue. Um, I was always encouraged to go, you know, go after the university that I really wanted to and the program that I really wanted to um, at the right school and that was the most important thing. But a lot of people would question me because if you're unfamiliar with uh, Southwestern Ontario, in uh, London, my home city, one of the most prestigious universities, let's call it in Ontario, is Western. And a lot of people like to go there, mostly for the parties, but also for the (laughs) STEM programs, because uh, there's lots of good programs if you're into STEM. So if you don't know what STEM is, it's basically more scientific programs related to health, health and well-being, let's call it. Yeah, I definitely agree that living on your own gives you a new sense of responsibility, and you have to find your own independence. 
Uh, whether that be cooking for yourself and doing your own chores and dishes all the time, going and doing adult things, you know, it can really take a toll on you. But hey, it's part of growing up, right? But for me, I think the biggest strain on moving out of my home city was simply the financial decision. Because, of course, when you go and move to a city that's not your own, you can't just stay at home and save a lot of money because housing is obviously one of the biggest expenses uh, for university students and people overall. So that was definitely a tough decision. But at the end of the day, I think that it was a positive decision because I was able to meet a lot of people, make a lot of connections, and ultimately enrich this very particular stage of my life where I don't have to work per se. I'm just studying and trying to get as much out of the experience as possible. All right, since we got two more sections to cover, let's move on to the physical activity aspect of the podcast. So, Alex, how has working out helped you deal with the uncertainty of COVID? Yeah, so I think that's a really good question. I think that um, working out has definitely allowed me to be more relaxed with assignments and all the extra stress from school. And with on, t- on top of that, with the COVID pandemic, it's really easy to be overwhelmed. And I feel like working out has allowed me to be mentally focused when needed and also more relaxed. Yeah, I totally agree. It was the same thing for me, really. Even though I wasn't a big gym rat before, I find that even doing some at-home exercises has helped me alleviate that school tension, especially the fact that it being online, because when you're stuck at a desk all day, it really feels good to stretch your legs and use your body a little bit. I feel like for some reason, if classes were in person, it wouldn't be as bad because at least the commute from our apartment to uh, class would be like 20 minutes each way so you get a little bit of cardio in you know whether you're running or walking but for me in particular given the fact that the gyms are closed down I brought some weights with me and using those every day you know to do some squats whether it be um, lifting weights or whatever Alex has in store in terms of a workout routine it's definitely helped get my mind off things so in terms of sports I know you're big into soccer and uh, what's your favorite team And uh, what was your plan sports-wise before COVID hit in terms of joining school teams at the university? So um, my favorite soccer team is this team called Juventus. It's from Torino in in Italy. I've been a fan for for a long time. I I watch the games with my brother and some of our other roommates. And, you know, before COVID, I was thinking of joining the University of Ottawa competitive men's team I'm not sure if I was gonna make it you know I'm not gonna act like I'm some top tier player but it definitely would have been a great experience a great experience to try out and see if I can make it and then if not I also had my eyes on um, intramurals as well I think that's you can never go wrong with intramurals yeah I definitely think that the team aspect when moving to a new city is nice too. You know, that you're going to have some friends and some contacts that you can talk with that are on your team. So it's really a big shame that we weren't able to do that this year. Uh, but hopefully next year, things will be a bit better and we'll be able to join teams and ultimately um, make more friends. For me, I'm not as much into soccer. Yeah, it's just too much running for me. I don't have the lungs for that. But uh, <laughs> I do really like exercise in general and I'd like to join maybe some other sports teams but to be honest it hasn't really been on my radar this year I've been more focused on studies so I want to take a look at the sports that are offered at a university to get a better to get a better idea of what I would like to do so last question we got here in the physical activity section is do you think that closing the gyms across the province is an effective way of reducing the spread of COVID and what are some drawbacks of doing so? Yeah, so definitely. I think, you know, closing gyms means less contact between people, less interaction. And, 
you know, that that will help reduce the spread of COVID. But I think it also had some drawbacks. Well, when people are not going to the gym, they're spending more time at home, not doing anything. And, you know, that weakens their immune system. And that definitely has an impact in um, fighting against the virus, which I think doesn't get, get doesn't get talked about enough. And also I think the mental side, you know, a lot of people go to the gym for, you know, for relief of relief of stress and, you know, to work on their the mental aspect of their life. And without the gym, they're not able to do that. And I've seen that with some of my friends, you know, it's really taken a toll on their, uh, their stress levels and also their focus level. Yeah, I totally agree that on paper, it seems like a great idea, you know, less face-to-face contact is something we've already talked about. I think that that ultimately is going to help reduce the spread. As long as there's thorough sanitation measures in place, though, I think that it's not necessarily the place that's going to be the most contagious. But that said, um, there's also drawbacks to keeping it closed for this long. You know, it's good to do, you know, a 14 day uh, trial to see if it's actually going to affect the numbers or not. But I think that the drawbacks are also something that we should talk about is something that is going to have adverse effects on society, whether it be mentally or being in social isolation and not being able to relieve that stress, which could lead some people to doing some pretty stupid things. All right, now, so let's move on to culture. So for today's episode, I wanted to add the topic of culture because I think that for a lot of you guys learning English, a lot of the vocabulary is going to be very relevant for you to be able to express your more basic ideas and passions for the English language and culture, for example. And for me, at least, it's always interesting. So Alex, tell us, as a third-generation Italian-Canadian, uh, what Italian traditions, if any, are part of your life at home? Yeah, so I have a few Italian traditions that I, I love talking about. I've told many people about this. Um, so mainly, two. Uh, every summer we have a family picnic where just our entire family, close family, far family, doesn't matter, we all get together and we have a picnic. And it's a lot of fun. We just catch up and we get to see our cousins and our uncles and everything. It's a great time. And also another main one is every September, I would say probably end of September, we have this, um, I guess you could call it a ceremony at church called Madonna della Grazia. And it's just the um, town version of um, Mother Mary. And it's just a ceremony about her. And so we go to this church and um, we have, you know, our usual mass. And then after the, the mass, we go outside with Italian flags, with the huge statue of Mary, and we walk around the parking lot singing in Italian. And it's just a great vibe. I love it. And it's probably one of my favorite traditions. And then after that, we go, we have, um, we have lunch together, you know, veal, pasta, everything. And, you know, I, I love that part of my culture, just the togetherness and, you know, spending valuable time together man that sounds like a great time you gotta invite me next time i'm very surprised alex that you didn't mention food because you know it being such an important part of italian culture and uh even living with you i can see the loads of pasta that you have stored in the uh, cupboard i mean i guess you did mention it as part of the tradition but even just on a day-to-day level um what kind of italian dishes do you guys eat at home if any yeah so on a day-to-day basis i mean we just eat traditional Italian food, mostly pasta. My mom makes really good pasta. And then uh, the best part, though, is my nonna's tomato sauce, which she makes at home. And 
that just blesses the whole thing. It's it's wonderful. It slaps, right? Yes, sir. All right. So let's transition a little bit to travel here. So have you been to Italy? And uh, where did you go and how did you like it? I assume you've maybe been to Calabria, where your family's from? Yeah, so I went about 10 years ago in 2010. And I haven't been back since. And, you know, my brother and my mom's been um, since then. So I'm really jealous of them. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, obviously I went to Calabria for two weeks, but I also went to Florence for a week. And then we also went to Rome for three days. So yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. It was a great experience. I still remember so much about it and it was 10 years ago, which really is a testament to, you know, how much I enjoyed it and how much of a good time I had. Also a funny story was, um, I remember when I, when I came back, my mom brought my brother and I to the doctor for our usual checkup. And our, I remember our doctor coming in. She was like, you guys gained like 10 pounds. How long were you guys in Italy for? This is crazy. And, you know, I was only eight at the time. So 10 pounds was a lot. And I always remember that story because, like, I ate so well there. And it was, I, in general, it was a great experience. Honestly, Alex, if I was your doctor, I would be disappointed if you didn't gain 10 pounds after a trip like that to Italy. Yeah, it was definitely the same thing for me when I was lucky enough to go to Italy about two years ago. We went in the summertime and I also went to Florence. I, we didn't make it to the south, unfortunately. I never got to Calabria, but I'd love to go there one day. And uh, Florence was definitely a spectacle. It was an amazing sight to see and to explore. So in terms of languages, since this is a language podcast, uh, you speak mostly French at home, right? So what are some of the advantages being bilingual has brought you? And also, you mentioned that choosing a bilingual school was also important to you. So how does French kind of play a role in your life? Yeah, so I I speak French at home almost all the time. I have been. It is my first language. So I've been speaking it my whole life. And honestly, there, there are so many advantages to being bilingual. Uh, to I mean, to name a few, there's obviously like the financial aspect of it. You know, you're more likely to get a job if you're bilingual, especially in Canada. But also, I think on the cultural side, I mean, you're able to connect a lot more with with um, with your culture. And, you know, being able to speak French has allowed me to connect, you know, with my grandmother from France, my grandfather, also my great grandmother. And I feel like, you know, that's that's really important to be able to connect with your culture and language is a direct access to that. So this idea that language allows you to be more connected with your culture, which I've seen through my experience speaking French, is something that I've also seen this year because I was, I'm was i taking Italian classes at University of Ottawa this semester and last semester. And just by learning the language, I've seen that I've had a deeper connection with my Italian culture even though it was already there I feel a deeper connection and I think that kind of proves a point that language is you know a gateway to understanding your culture on a greater level yeah I totally agree I think that if nothing else language is a vector of identity and when you decide to prioritize one aspect of your identity I think that it begins to take a bigger importance in your life and it can make you feel more connected with the people in your family for example that speak that language and I totally think too that in general being bilingual also opens your mind I'm not sure if there's any stats to back this up but I grew up in a small town where the vast majority of people were monolingual and once I moved to a bigger city where I found more bilingual people I find that in general they're more open-minded they're less judgmental and they kind of accept the way that people are 
for who they are. And it's kind of something interesting that I've noticed in myself too since learning French. So it's been about like almost eight years since I've been learning it on my own now. And I definitely feel more connected with my French side too, even if none of my family speaks it anymore. I feel like just the fact that I can understand content right from France or from Quebec, you know, most of it, I feel like that's given me a deeper appreciation for French culture and my heritage. So the last question that I wanted to ask you here today, Alex Chambla, is... How do you think the European lifestyle differs from the North American one in your experience with your family and also uh, having traveled a bit through Europe? Yeah, so I think that the European lifestyle definitely differs from the North American one in many ways. I think, you know, primary one is that they are more relaxed. When I went to Italy, when I went to France, I could tell right away that they were a lot more chill. And I think also that they are more happy. I would say, like, I remember seeing in one of my classes this really interesting graph where they showed, you know, an increase in in GDP per capita, an increase in GDP, and then they compared that with happiness levels. And they've seen that, and, like, the graph showed that, you know, in a lot of countries where GDP is the highest, people are not that happy. And I feel like in Europe, they are, you know, less money-driven, and they're happier, so... I mean, that's just my personal opinion, but I, I think in Europe, they're less money-driven and they're happier. Also, I feel like what I've seen is there there's more sense of community. There's more togetherness. Like, I remember when I went to Italy, every day we'd be playing soccer. We'd be spending time with the neighbors, the family, and you're almost never alone. And I think that's so great about their European lifestyle. And also the sense of family. You know, they're always there for each other. And it's what they prioritize. And I feel like that's really important. Yeah, I totally agree. And from my experience being in Europe, I definitely find that Europeans have a more collectivist mentality, whereas in North America, we're more individualistic. And many people, especially in big cities that are more capitalistic in their thinking, tend to undercut other people to further themselves financially, where I think that is something that happens less in Europe anyway. I think that people are more likely to be compassionate, even to people that they don't know. And yes, I think it's interesting that you brought up the contrast between financial prosperity and happiness, because that would make a really great podcast topic. So thanks, Alex. I'm going to talk about that in the future, probably. And of course, I think this is something that could extend to the greater part of the world. But just comparing North America to Europe in this case, I think those are some things that you'll definitely find there. So to wrap it all up, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. And I'll remind you, please go to the email in the description you'll find for today's episode. If you'd like the partial transcription of today's episode with the most difficult words and expressions explained briefly in a PDF. Thank you so much for joining me, Alex. Thanks for having me on, Nick. It was a great experience. And we'll see you in the next episode. Take care.